Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you guys can be seated. I have a question for you guys as you're sitting down. <clears throat> Are you guys more comfortable now? I didn't say this last week because we had visitors here. You guys, when I rearranged the chairs, you guys, you guys ever had one of those electric football games with the metal and it goes, and you're just kind of looking for your spot? I had more people come up to me and say, I have no idea where I need to sit at. Someone has my chair. And you should have seen it when you guys walked in. I was looking back, looking at your faces. It was like, And I didn't want to call him out, but Don, you're the worst man. Don, <laughs> Don was like, we're not sure where to sit. And I said, well, I think they got your chair, so move over or move back one. So, but I have had a lot of people tell me they love how we've got the chair set up all the way across so you can all sit with your family. Don't get used to it. We'll change up something else because it's actually really fun to watch you guys be so confused. It is. It is. It is. It's really, really, really fun. So, but anyway, listen, I want to tell you something else too. God has a sense of humor. He really does. Anybody believe that? He does. He made you and me. He's got a sense of humor. Listen, he's got a sense of humor. So last week I talked about a, a church that had approached me in, uh, while I was doing yard work. And they were really adamant that we use the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, I didn't care at the time. They had invited me to come to their friend day. And uh, I told them I was a pastor. And they said, uh, it doesn't matter. Your church won't mind you coming to our friend day. And I said, I kind of think they may mind. I'm just, that's a guess, but I think they may mind. And so God has a sense of humor. So earlier in the week, about Wednesday, I started getting messages from some of you. And you know what you said? Hey, I got this thing in the mail. Is this the church you were talking about? And I said, no comment. One person said, hey, man, I'm thinking about going this. You want to join me, brother? And then on Friday, I, Wendy and I pull in. We check our mail. And we have one of these. If anyone would like to go to Friend Day on May 1st at 1030, there's going to be inflatables, free lunch, after the morning service. Bring your King James Bible. Okay, don't bring anything else. Isn't that funny? What are the odds that the week I tell that story, the following week, all these come? Isn't that crazy? Yeah? Are you guys just tired? Are you tired? Is that what it is? Is everybody tired? Everybody tired? I know we have we always have a meeting before this with the praise team and stuff just to pray over things and go through things and and everyone was like actually they were just like you are right now they were just really dead everybody was kind of tired they were just really dead they were tired so anyway <clears throat> well listen today I want to have a little conversation with you uh, today you know is one of those verses that most Christians uh, they like it but they don't like they like it it's okay but they don't really like it I'm just going to be honest with you. There's just some things in the Bible that you're like, okay. It's a little too close to home. So we're in Romans chapter 13. We've been going through the whole book of Romans. If you've missed any message, you can go back. They're all labeled. 
Romans 12 verses, 1, 1 and 2. Romans 12 verses, they're labeled those ways so you can go back in them. But today's message is going to be a little different. Romans 13 verses 1 through 8. Okay, that's where we find ourselves. If you are, if you are here, and I, I forget to do this, but if you guys have a smartphone, there should be a, a QR code on the back of your chair somewhere. Uh, you should be able to, to, uh, to click that. If you'll take a picture of that, and if you haven't, you can actually take a picture of that QR code right now, and it'll pull up all of the notes and the announcements that we have for the whole week. You can pull it up right there. You can even sign up to get text messages. But we try to put them on the back of a lot of the chairs. You can just pop you know, so you can get the notes for this. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Here's what it says. Everyone, say everyone, everyone. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. People are already starting to go. I know, right? And you know what I did whenever I read it first time? And you know what I did when I knew this was coming a few weeks ago? <sighs> For all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And we're going to look at that deeper. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in those who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear for the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect to honor to those who are in authority. Well, Roman Christians probably felt the same way that we do today. Paul's saying submit to authority in the government. How do we handle this? Let's talk a little bit about our own situation here. America. America's divided. Democrats can't stand Republicans, and Republicans can't stand Democrats, and Libertarians don't like either one. <laughs> and so you want to you want to ask this question. It's like, well, what is Paul trying to say here? And 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 really, here's what we're really saying. Paul, listen, I understand the situation you are in when you wrote these, this text. I get it. But you don't understand what we're dealing with today. You just don't get what we're dealing with. Like You don't understand the corruption. You don't understand um, the immorality. You don't understand what's going on in America today. You don't get it. So I thought I would give you a brief history of what Paul was dealing with and the people he is saying to honor. Are you ready? All three of you are ready. Let's go. <clears throat> I used to teach history. and that's ex Whenever I have two or three, when two or three are gathered, I'm teaching. All right? Here it is. 
Claudius was the emperor, emperor, all right? And Claudius was married, are you ready for this? I actually Googled this. Agrippina is her name. And Agrippina the Young was her name. Not the Young, the Young. Agrippina was her name. Agrippina and him were married. Claudius was married. They had children, but he, she also had a son before. And so the stepson was fully adopted by Claudius. Claudius, of course, is the one that sent out all of the Jews from Rome. And that's why the letter's being written. Because now when the letter is actually written, the Jews have come back. And the church is in disunity. And they're having all kinds of issues. So they're fussing and fighting. And so Paul wrote the letter for this. The whole topic of Romans is about unity, unity, unity. And so, so you may think, well, what happened to Claudius? I'm glad you asked. This is all speculation, of course. But history speculates and records that Claudius was killed, poisoned with poison mushrooms by Agrippina. Is that right, Agrippina? Yeah, okay. Because I always want to call her Agrippina, but I, that's kind of weird, isn't it? All right. <laughs> Agrippina. No, it's not Agrippina. So I was reading at Agrippina, and I went to Google, and I put, how is this? This is Leah's mic, by the way, not Leah. Hey, Leah, let's go to you. Are you good? Is that good? That's okay. I, let me do the, I'll do the mic here. All right, let me undress in front of you like I've done before. Let's just go ahead and get it out, okay? So, so um, all right, so now I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've lost how I actually do pronounce it. Agrippina. Agrippina. Now, that's how I announced it. Agrippina is the right way, correct, history teacher? It is. Agrippina is. We're going to call her Aggie. All right? Aggie, listen. So listen, Aggie. I'm sorry, y'all. I had it so good. I was, I was, look, even in my notes, it said pronounce her name correct. I was so happy. So Aggie ends up killing her own husband. And you know why? Because she wanted her son to be the emperor. And he was talking like he wasn't going to do that. And she was worried about that. And so she killed him. How about that? Now, here's the crazy part. You know who her son was. His name was Nero. That was her son. Let me tell you a little bit about Nero. When he first started out, he actually was doing pretty good. He was actually an okay guy. They actually kind of liked him. He was only 16 or 17 years old. And they actually kind of liked him. And then he started thinking, and I'm just going to hit the tops of the trees here. I'm not going to get into the forest, okay, because there's a lot more. He started thinking, well, maybe I could... I'm concerned about these brothers, especially this one brother. So they're sitting around a dinner table. Aggie is on this side. You with me? The family's around. Nero is at the end. And Nero intentionally poisons the brother. And everyone at the table knew what was going on. And they had to sit there and watch him die. 
And that is the start. Fast forward. He kills other members of his family as well. And eventually, now listen to this. He sends his mama Aggie on a boat trip. And he sends people to go and sink the boat. Well, Aggie was a tough joker, and she survived. And he got word back, and so he said, fine, just go send him, send him, go kill her. And that's exactly what happened. He killed his own mother. Nero did. But that's not all. He got married, and he killed his first wife. And then he got married again, and he killed his second wife. And after that, I guess all the women were smart enough not to marry him. It's like a Dateline episode. So history is not sure on this, but they do believe that Nero is the one now, and at the time, Rome had a lot of reasons why it caught fire. But a lot of people believe because they would not allow him to build the things that he wanted to build, that he actually set fire to Rome in 64 AD. He was not in the area at the time, but they say he, was, he ordered to set fire to Rome and that Rome burned. And guess who he blamed for Rome burning. A small little sect of believers called Christians. And guess what he did? He started persecuting Christians. He would take Christians while they were alive, get animal skins, tie it around the Christians, and have animals attack and eat the Christians alive. The Christians that he would kill, he would literally take stakes and place them on the stakes around his area and burn them alive and they provided fire and light for the night. As a matter of fact, he is the one that crucified Peter upside down. And also, he is the one that killed the author of Romans by beheading Paul. And all of a sudden, old Donald Trump and Joe Biden don't seem so bad, do they? All of a sudden, maybe we don't have it as bad as we think we do. He was a horrible, horrible individual. As a matter of fact, he goes down in history as, if not one of the worst, uh, it's Nero and Hitler. I mean, they're right there together, and there's some other people as well, but they're the two worst. Yet Paul says, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. Pay your taxes. The government workers need to be paid. Serve God, but serve them also. What does he mean by this? Well, let me tell you a little bit about God. 
The first thing, and this is the first point in your notes, I want you to hear this. The first point is this, is that God sets up institutions for our good. I want you to hear that. God sets up institutions for our good. God knows what our needs are, and he knows how we're made, and he sets up institutions for our good. He does it. Let me tell you the first institution that he set up for our good, marriage. Marriage is something that he set up, and he set it up for our good. He did. Did you know that people that are married tend to live longer than those that aren't? Did you know that? Did you know that? They do. I don't care what Dateline NBC says. All the, all the dads don't kill the moms and the moms don't kill the dads. They actually live longer. And they live a happier life as well. I think that happens now that I'm a, we have an empty nest. I think it happens right after the kids leave. That's when you get happy, right? It's like right as soon as the kids go off to college, it's like, oh, my gosh, thank the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Yes, yes, I'm happy again. They must, t- they, they do those, if they did those polls, like when you're mid-30s, it'd be like, no, we're miserable, man. No, we're miserable. We're just trying to find ourselves. We just go from this soccer game to that baseball game to that thing to this thing and over and this school event and that school event. But man, when you hit those 40, late 40s and 50s and those kids are coming home every once in a while, yes, sir, joy bliss. You've done your job. You did what God wants you to do. Listen, marriage is something that God set up because he knows that man was not meant to be alone. He knows that. And if you're wondering why Christians and followers of Jesus are so passionate about not redefining marriage, that's why. Because God instituted marriage and God knows what's best for us And the way he instituted marriage is the way marriage is supposed to be. Not because I said it, but because God did it. And that's why we fight for marriage. You know what the second institution he set up was? The family. The family is an institution that's set up by God. He created the family before he created the church. And I'll tell you this. Do you want to know what the root of almost every issue is? is in our society today it is the degrading of the family and the breakdown of the family you look at every single issue that people are arguing about today and you will see it is the breakdown of the family it is the instability of children it is children raised in strongly dysfunctional homes and let me say something if you didn't live in a dysfunctional home it's only because no one told you we're all messed up people. We're all. But I'm talking about kids living from day to day. We, I see it often. We hear it a lot as pastors. And we see the demise of the family. And the truth of the matter is we see the demise of the family because there's adults that don't want to step up. And let me just say that. I'm going to stop there. But they just don't want to step up and be what God asked them to be. God gave you children to take care of those children. You are a fiduciary of those children. You are responsible for those children. And your job and your role is to take care of those children. And I know this is difficult for some people. But you have to put yourself on the back burner and take care of those children until they become adults. And that's when they leave. And then you can party with your friends. Because they're gone. They become responsible at that point. God also 
and this is going to be hard for you to hear, he also establishes governments for our own good. For our own good. I used to not believe this, if I'm being honest with you. I used to say, oh, man, gosh, man, if, if, if only. I always played the if only game. If only, if only this person could get into office. If only we could have this person get into office. If only that person could get into office. And I would get so passionate about it and I would be so fired up about it. And I would go out and campaign and I would do all these things. And I found out something. When you take a Christian and you add a politician, you end up getting a politician. And that my hope no longer needed to be in someone that is representative of us. My hope needed to be in Jesus Christ. And so, but God set up the government for our own good. Let me tell you how I know that. I know that because I have been to the country of Haiti twice. And if you ever want to see that God has set up government for our own good, all you have to do is travel to the country of Haiti. And you will see what happens when the whole government structure is completely shattered and broken. You will see the depravity and the corruption. If you talk to people over there who are Christians in Haiti, you know what they always say they want to do? Every one of them, hey, what do you want to do with your life when they're younger? You know what they all say? I want to work for the government. And I say, why? And they all say the same thing. I want to fix it. I want to help. I want to bring God to the government is what they say. But if you go to countries and you see where the government is broken down, you see quickly that God sets up governments for our own good. And he places leaders in charge. And here's the thing, and I want you to get this. This is the second point. He places leaders in charge for two reasons. God uses government as a blessing or as a means of judgment. I want you to hear that. He uses government as a blessing or a means of judgment. There's a story in the Old Testament where God, because of their disobedience, God allows the nation of Israel to go into captivity uh, under Nebuchadnezzar. It was about 70 years uh, one of the most famous books we get from this time period in the Bible is the book of Daniel. You read the book of Daniel. And so what they did is, is they took the best of the best in Israel and they brought them and they had them serve in their courts. And that's where we see Daniel. Daniel was one of the best of the best. And we see the whole situation where Daniel is in a foreign country and he's being the, the Israelites are, have been brought out and put in a different area and they're being occupied. And we still see the faithfulness of Daniel. And we still see the faithfulness of the three Egyptian boys that went into the fire. And there was a fourth person in the fire. And that fourth person, as Nebuchadnezzar said, appears to be the son of God. And we see the whole thing play out. And then we see when they are going to go back, we see Ezra and Nehemiah when they're going back to their homeland and they're rebuilding. But God specifically said he was going to allow, he was going to allow this to occur because it was a means of judgment on the disobedience of the people. 
Now, God did these other things as well. You look at David's reign in, in the scriptures. You look at Joshua when Joshua went over into the promised land and he took over. And we always look at Caleb, who Caleb was one of the two faithful spies. And he and, he and Joshua went over into the promised land and took the whole land for their own. And Caleb got his his, his area that he asked for at the age of 85. And you look at Joshua and then you follow down and you see David. You see David come to the throne because of his obedience and because the scripture defines him as someone who, uh, who, who chased after God. He, he was a man after God's own heart. And you see David's blessing. And so you start to see a huge blessing come. Well, God does that between, between blessings and judgment. He sets up, he sets up thrones. He sets up governments as a means of blessing or as judgment. And my question to you is, which one are we in today? Is it blessings or is it to be judged? The truth of the matter is, is that we have invited God to get out of the town square. And we have invited God to get out of our schools. And we have invited God to get out of public life. And we have tried to take God and put him over in a corner. And here's the thing, you guys. You don't put the creator in a corner. Are you with me? You don't put the creator in a corner. That's, that's not what you do. And so we've asked him to leave, and we've seen this over several generations. We've asked him to leave, and then we wonder why we're struggling. Why is America struggling? Why can't we get along? Why are we so divided? Well, it's a simple thing. God's not going to be anywhere where he's not wanted. He's not. And if you don't want him, then he will remove himself. Can I tell you what's going on in other countries? You know what's going on in other countries? Revival is going on in other countries. See, we don't see it because we're in our American bubble here. But revival is going on in other countries. This whole thing that we deal with, a lot of the immorality that we deal with, we think it's, it's, it's all over the world. It's not. It's not. Now, there's some major countries that deal with it, but for the most part, do you know, do you know where the biggest revival is going on now on the continent of Africa? That's right on the continent of Africa. And you're going to start seeing God pour out his blessing on them because they're turning to God. They're turning away from things that are not of God and they're turning to God. But America's not doing that. And I want to tell you something, and I won't offend anybody, but man, our leaders really reflect that today, don't they? Don't they reflect it? I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm going to tell you, surely in the world, America can raise up better leaders than a, than a should-be retired Joe Biden and a narcissist Donald Trump. Surely in the world we can raise up better leaders. I don't know about you guys, but I am tired of holding my nose to go vote for one of these people. I'm tired of doing that. I'm tired of doing that. And I think the answer for us is to pray for revival in our land. And I believe that if we turn it around and if godly people will stand up and live lives that honor God. And, if, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. 
if you live life, a life that honors God, you're going to overflow in honoring those that are in authority over you. We get so quick to want to go on social media. And listen, I try my best to just have funny things on social media when it comes to politics. I used to be so fired up and I'd say this or that and I'd go off on this or that. But now I just think it's all kind of, you know, worthless and funny and things I find interesting I'll put out there. But I'm going to tell you something. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people who are followers of Jesus that are not obeying Romans 13, 1 through 8. And I've done it a million times. And so I'm stepping on my own toes today. But the reality is, is that God says in his word that he is the one that appoints people for certain times. He knows what we need. He knows what he wants to do. He knows the direction we need to go. He knows what the future holds. He knows what the plan is for us. And he is the one that appoints these leaders. And he appoints some leaders for our blessings, but he also appoints some leaders for our judgment. And I think that if we, if we would stand up and be followers of Jesus, I believe that we would begin to see our country turn around. And I know I may be an optimist, but in the generation that my son's in, I'm seeing some flames, some little flickers and flames of revival, just a little bit. I'm seeing some things that they're standing up and saying, nope, that's as far as we're going. We're not going to accept that. And I'm seeing that with some of those people in that generation. I'm seeing that. And I hope you're seeing the same thing. But I want to tell you something that we get wrong here in America. And I hope this doesn't offend you. But this is my third point, and here it is. Patriotism and holiness are not the same thing. I want you to hear that. Patriotism and holiness is not the same thing. For some reason in America, we have intermingled patriotism with holiness. And we think that it is some kind of holiness to be patriotic. And that is not the case. I want you to see something here. You are an American second and you are a citizen of heaven first. And your first obedience is not, is not to the United States of America. It is to the man who is on the throne and who saved you. And that is who your obedience is to first. And patriotism and holiness have been intermingled. I want to tell you what you do when you intermingle the two. You diminish the sacrifice that Christ made for you and me. When you bring God down to some kind of slogan, and listen, I want to clear something up real fast. Probably the most patriotic person you'll ever meet. Right now, if I get a text on my cell phone that says so-and-so's invaded the country, I'm going home to, to get some ammunition, to be real honest with you. I know a couple of you guys have a stash, and I'm probably heading over to your house. <laughs> All right? I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you know who they are. You know what I'm saying? I know who you are. And look, I will die defending the freedom, and I'll die for me, but I'll die for my son and my grandkids and on down the line because I believe in what America stands for originally. But we've lost our way. So don't be confused here. I'm not not being patriotic. I'm the most patriotic people you'll ever meet. As a matter of fact, I see these people on, on TV stomping on the flag. I'd have a real problem with that. 
I, I may I may be on the front page of the paper. I'm just being honest with you. You know what I mean? I may need to call, I may need to phone a friend, all right, and say, look, come get me. I don't whop somebody upside the head for stomping on the flag. But you guys, we confuse patriotism with holiness. And I want you to know something. In other parts of the world, this doesn't exist. Do you guys, I mean, I don't know if you realize or not, but it doesn't exist. There's no confusion. There is allegiance to Christ for those that are following Christ, and they also are a member of their country. Now, obviously, one of the reasons we do this is because America was founded on biblical principles. We can see the hand of God. We can see the blessing of God at the founding of our country. We can see it. We can see the blessing of God. And we want to have this pie-in-the-sky kind of thought that this blessing. But I want to tell you something. You know what else we can see in the founding of our country? We can see major sin. The most glaring one in the form of racism and slavery. We can see huge sin that we have and need to continue to repent of for those people that founded our country. Remember, God can use flawed people, and he used flawed people to found this country. But I want you to understand something. Patriotism and holiness are not the same. Is it good to be patriotic? Yes. Is it good for America to want to operate off biblical principles? Yes. Is it good to be a patriot and to be a follower of Jesus? Yes. But your allegiance does not lie in patriotism. It lies first in Jesus Christ. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you that your hope is not found in a donkey, a Democrat. Your hope is not found in an elephant, a Republican. Your hope is found in a lamb. Your hope is found in a cross on Calvary for the one who died for us. That's where your hope is found. And I want to tell you something else, too. America's Independence Day is celebrated on July 4th. July 4th, we'll all come together and celebrate the independence of America and we'll celebrate what God has given us and the freedom God has given us and we'll celebrate that. But I want to tell you something. As a follower of Jesus, your Independence Day and my Independence Day was celebrated last Sunday. That's when it was celebrated, last Sunday. That's where it's celebrated. And we can't get confused with what God wants us to do we can't get confused that God wants us to do this or do that and to try to fight. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you see something morally wrong with our society, then do something about it. People always tell me this, and I know I'm on a soapbox, but people always tell me this, and, and it frustrates me because a lot of people want to scream and yell about the welfare roles, role, you know, the roles of welfare. Can I tell you who God wants the roles of welfare? You know who God wants to take care of those people? Us. He wrote it in the text of the scripture. Do you know the tenth of the tithe was originally to feed those? Have you guys read the book of Ruth? The whole book of Ruth is how God wants us to take care of those that are less. That's the whole book of Ruth. Leave extra. And Boaz would say, hey, leave a lot more. Do you know when they would do their crops, they would leave 10% on the road for those that are less than? Can I be honest with you? The government had to pick up the welfare rolls because the church wasn't doing its job. That's a fact. That is a fact. And so if we don't like it, let's do something about it. 
People always ask me, why are you so passionate about I-58 mission? Why, why do you have them come? Why are you so passionate about the food bank up there? Why are you so fat passionate about bridging the gap? Can I tell you why I'm so passionate about it? Because they are a conduit for us to be what the church is supposed to be to begin with. That's what it is. So listen, we are to be the church and we are to pray for our government. And we are not to constantly belly. If you see something wrong, though, you have the right to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. And you have the right to petition your government. But the best thing you can do is to pray for your government. Can I tell you that God can do crazy things when you pray for your government? You may be thinking right now, oh, man, the guy in there right now, man, he ain't ever going to change. He's never going to change. He's too, he's too far gone. He ain't going to change. Well, you don't know God like I know God. If you believe that, you don't know God like I know God. Well, what about this? Oh, that's not going to change. Oh, this ain't going to change. Can I tell you, how do you think revivals have been started? By faithful people praying. And all God has to do is just blow our way just a little bit. And we can see revival in the land. But we have the, we have the responsibility to be the highest integrity and ethically and morally and spiritually and honor those that are in authority over us. That's what we have the responsibility to do. I want to give you some, I like to end messages like this with a little bit of practical applications. So let me, let me read these to you. The first practical application I would give you is this. Honor and pray for those in authority over you, even if you don't agree with them politically. Can I be honest with you and tell you this is tough? It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult to do this. It's difficult. The second one is this. Remember that God has authority over all. So when the governing authorities demand that you go against Scripture, we take a stand on God's side, not their side. Everybody likes that, don't they? They like that one, man. Our number two is awesome. I'm going to land on number two. That's where you want. We always take a stand. God's people have always took, taken a stand. That's why Daniel, that's why, that's why in the book of Daniel, those three said, no, we're not going to bow to you. Now listen, we've been nice long enough, okay? We've done the things you wanted us to do. We've, we've, we've tried to serve you, in, but listen, this is where it stops. And you have to draw a line in the sand and say, no, this is where it stops. And they said, this is where it stops even if it kills me. That's what they said. And you have the same responsibility. You have to remember that a politician plus a Christian equals a politician. What do I mean by that? I mean, don't put your hope in people. Put your hope in Savior, the Savior. The fourth thing is, is look to God for your security, faith, and salvation, not a government. Look to God, not a government. And the final thing is, is be above reproach in all situations, and this is important, and take the high road. Take the high road. It's so easy to take the low road, isn't it? And let's be honest about it, it's a little fun, isn't it? 
isn't it a little fun to kind of engage in a little argument and go back and forth and tell somebody what's this and what's that? And you know what I'm saying? Isn't that a little bit fun? It kind of is. But God wants us to take the high road. Not be, not be a walking mat. Stand up for biblical values, but take the high road. Now, if you leave here today and say, well, Pastor Barry said I don't need to be patriotic. I didn't say that. I said you need to be patriotic, number two, and be a citizen of heaven, number one. And your first allegiance is not to America. Your first allegiance is to God. Now, God has placed you in America, and he's probably going to use you here if you allow him to. Guys, give honor to those that God has put over us. Pay the taxes that is required of us. And if you want to make a difference, go do something. Don't be a keyboard warrior. Get in real life and make a change in people's lives. Let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much that you let us live in a country where we are free. Thank you so much that you let us live in a country where we don't have to worry about sermons like today. That I can speak them freely. And that there's no repercussion, Lord. Thank you so much, God, that you allow us to be a country where you are moving among us and that we can openly worship. But God, I do pray that we not get confused. I do pray that we recognize that you set up institutions for our good and that there's a huge difference between patriotism and holiness. And that our first allegiance is not to, to some country, but it is to eternity and it is to heaven and it is to you, God. And Lord, we know that as we do that, we know that you're going to work in us and through us. And so we just proclaim now, God, that we want to be great stewards of what you've given us. And we want to do the right thing all the time. Guide us and direct us in that, Lord. Lord, there's things about this country we don't agree with. There's ways this country is being run that we don't necessarily agree with. But God, we know that you're, our, you're the final authority. And so at the end of the day, we don't worry about what CNN or Fox News says or some other news station or what some government official says. Lord, we always go back to the source of our peace and our strength and our comfort, and that's you. And we believe and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and sing a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.